Wow, what a great day. What a great way to start the year. Love being here with you. Even, you know, when I was growing up, come on, man. <laughs> okay, here we go. You know, last, last Sunday, I had my iPad. I put it on top of my car and drove off. Bam, everything was gone. It's a new year with a new iPad. <laughs> I'm getting the iPad Pro, though. Come on, somebody. It is a great year, and I love being here. Even when I was um, really, I was young, and I was just, uh, you know, I wasn't like fully understanding about God, but I used to always love going to church and the whole singing and being with people. What a wonderful thing we have. Uh, everybody, are you ready for the new year? Yeah. I want to just introduce a concept to you today called preparing for the harvest. You know, everything that God's going to do, you have to prepare for it. Uh, it's a very immature thought to think I'm going to get something and it's not going to, I'm not going to have to prepare. I'm, I'm not going to be ready for it. But the best things in life are the things that you prepare, you look forward, you build. Like the Super Bowl, for example. It's not the best thing, but, you know, it, gets, it, 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 it builds up and you, you're like, this has been a lot of work. And this idea of preparing is something that's really, it causes us to be patient, but it causes us to believe God for big things. A lot of you, if you look at your finances, you think, man, I'm in trouble. But if you said, where do I want to be in five years, you could prepare yourself to get out of the mess that you're in. Right? And so it, if you don't just feel shut down by where you are, if you stretch it out and say, you know what, I'm going someplace. I'm going to prepare myself for a great harvest, and which is what you need to do right now. If you're not preparing for something great in your life, paying off debt, starting a great ministry, starting a business, doing something wonderful. If you're not preparing for something great, nothing great is going to happen. And things spontaneously, you might win the lottery spontaneously, but great things in your life come from preparation. In the beginning, God prepared the heavens and the earth. And I'm going to be talking to you about preparing for the harvest. That was the word God gave me. I was praying last week. How did my son do last week? He was great, right? <laughs> I didn't want to make him nervous, so I wasn't here. Uh, but he was great. I heard him, and, and uh, I'm so proud of my children. But even, even our children, we got to prepare them for great things. If you have your Bible, I want to start with you just a subject the Holy Spirit put in my heart for the day. What is going on? <laughs> I don't need those glasses anymore. I'm preparing for the harvest. It looks like I'm going to be seeing a lot better. I didn't need those glasses. I didn't need them. Turns out my eyes are getting better. <laughs> and please don't hand me a pair of women's glasses. It happens all the time. I'm not wearing them. I would rather misread. <laughs> You know, when you can't see, it's a problem because you can't find your glasses. Anybody ever had that problem? Like, if I could find my glasses, I could see, but I can't seem to see. And they're right there. And uh, So I always, the last second, grab a pair of glasses to preach with. And almost invariably, it's not these, I grab the Marilyn Monroe, Monroe collection. They have, like a, they have like cheetah skin on the side with diamonds. And because I can't quite see it uh, like I wanted to see it, like I will be preaching and I'll take them off and I'll notice I have the Marilyn Monroe collection on. And, and it's too late. I'll just wear them with pride. That's right. I don't care. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word explode in our hearts. Let it change our lives. And may our lives change our world, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said. This is an interesting scripture. It's one of my favorites. Because it's, it's the end of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12. So if you, um, to understand it, you really have to read chapter 11 because it starts with a word, therefore. So you have to know what it was there for, right? Right? It's because it's referring to the chapter 11. And so in chapter 11, it's talking about all the heroes of faith. It's talking about Moses and, and Abraham and Sarah and all these that were righteous by faith. In the end of chapter 11, it says, and all these without us won't become perfect. In other words, all that they did in life, all the, all the people that you know from the Bible, and that would include people like uh, Billy Graham and uh, Oral Roberts and, and all the great revivalists from the 50s and all these people that are now in heaven, the Bible picks, pictures this for us as if they are looking at you now. That's the cloud of witnesses. It, it actually is a picture of a huge grandstand where all of heaven is not um, ambivalent, but they're actually attentive. That they're watching you because they know that if you don't carry the ball, then everything they live for was for nothing. That they can't be complete without you. It's like a great race that is a relay race. That, you know, I, when I was in high school, I ran relay races. I'm sure everybody did. And that you see a guy burning it, and you see he's beating the other guy, and he's, he's starting to reach out that thing, and you're like, man, I don't want to drop this thing. I got to grab it and run. And then when, when, when you grab that thing, you realize you're running for all the guys before you. And that you got to do your part to advance this thing. You don't want to be the one that falls behind during your watch. You want to be the one that goes forward in your watch. And so you turn on the burners, not just for you, but you're turning on the burners for all those who had gone before you. Not just for the spectators, but the ones that were the players. That's what chapter 11 is, all these great players, and they're all looking at your life and saying, if you don't do it, then what did I do all this for? If you don't advance this thing... Why did I hand you such a great gospel, such a great mission, such a great purpose? If you drop the ball, uh, you'll be the generation that lost the gospel because we handed it to you. And so the idea that you don't live to yourself, you live for a greater purpose and a greater cause, that all heaven is watching you and anticipating what kind of person you are. Opportunity is, is common, but great people are very rare. People who take opportunity and say, this is my opportunity. I've got a few more years on planet Earth. I'm not going to be the generation that were the boring, compromised quitters. I'm going to be the generation that were the conquerors who rose up no matter what. And I conquered for Jesus. I rose up. It was 2019. And I rose up and I became everything God called me to be. 
So the, eye, the eyes of eternity are watching you. You are not living to yourself. No church is living to itself. But you're, you're, you're receiving what others did, and now you've got to make up your mind how you're going to run your race because this is your moment on planet Earth. God pictures life this way as a great competition where there are winners and losers, where there are runners, there are failures, and there are successes. Now, some people preach a message, well, you know, we're all a success no matter what. God never preached that. It's never been in the Bible, not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament, not in the book of Revelation. There's never an idea that everybody wins no matter what. It's always been, it's going to be what is inside of you that's going to determine eternity. It's going to be about what you did, not what you believed in. Not what you said you liked and said you wanted to do. It'll be the kind of person that takes the opportunity and seizes it and does something great. This is what the Bible talks about. Not a bunch of like, you know, it's this competition that requires all your strength and all your love and all your passion and all your faith. This is how God pictures your life. It is not, he, he doesn't picture Christianity. God doesn't. I think modern Christianity does. But, but God never pictured Christianity as a Caribbean cruise where we're all just sipping Mai Tais and having a good time. This is the enemy's version of your life. That rest and pleasure is all that you need to go after. But God has something higher and better. And you don't get it because you want it. You get it because you pay the price. You get it because you're the kind of person that doesn't care. That, look, uh, what it costs. I, all of us, you know, how many love the Saints? You know, I love the Saints. I got to admit it. I'm a little concerned, to tell you the truth. That last game was not that good. But the last few. But I'm a little concerned. I'm, I'm not praying yet, but I'm about to shift some of my fasting points over to Saints. But, but you know, I, I, I go to the Saints app and I, and I listen to these guys. And you know what I'm listening for? I'm listening to the players. I want to hear that they want to win. I, want, I don't want to hear a bunch of laughing, joking around, excuse making. I'm thinking, you're my team. You better get serious. Now, we know it's just a game. Y'all with me? Y'all know, say, pray for Pastor Ray. He's, he's caught up in this thing. I know. Okay, I admit it. But, but the idea, the concept is we want other people to be great for us, but we don't know if we want to be great for God. We want other people to be serious about winning a game. Y'all need to get serious. Y'all get paid. Y'all representing us. Oh, really? You're representing the kingdom of God. You're representing what Jesus did on the cross. You're representing the resurrection. You're representing the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time to get serious about what God called you for and called you to. You are representing something greater than a game. This is your life. And your life tells God everything about you. He gives you this great opportunity. And he says this. The secret to success is in what you're willing to lay aside. He said, you want to win? You don't have to be the prettiest. You don't have to be a certain race. You don't have to be the smartest. You don't even have to be the most spiritual. You have to be the one that's willing to lay it down. He said, therefore... Because we have this great audience that's counting on us, let us lay aside every weight. Now, every runner, see, every runner knows you can't be wearing jeans if you want to win. They wear those embarrassing shorts that are up to here. Like, come on, man, I don't even want to see you. You're a grown man. Take those shorts off. 
<laughs> I'd prefer to see those guys with long shorts running, but, you know, but if you ever, you know, see a real runner, they're almost embarrassing the way they just wear as little as they can. Some of them even have, like, some kind of a thing on their head, like those bikers. They even wear a, a, some kind of a helmet that looks like a swoop or something, you know, like, come on, man. They are totally serious because they understand if you want to win, it's going to be about what you're willing to give up. Not what you're willing to get away with. Not what you can do, but what you should do. The winners understand it costs something if you want to win. But losers are always tired. They're always busy. They're always confused. And they're always going through something. Sound familiar? If you say, if you preach a sermon like, I just can't take anymore, everybody's like, oh, Jesus. That right there. But then when you find out about their life, it's all stuff that they put on themselves. It's all stuff that they're not willing to let go of. They're not, come on, somebody. It's like you felt sorry for them until you listened to their story. Then you said, what? Won't you just quit? Won't you just drop that boy? He's bad. Oh, he's not. I just love him so much. You love him so much, he's ruining your life. Yeah, but you know. I know. So stop trying to convince us how holy you are and how bad you got it. Because most of your problems are coming from you. The devil's just, oh, devil don't have you down. You got that covered. You got that covered because there are things you should be letting go of that you don't want to let go of. Well, you're saying it's a sin. I'm not saying it's a sin. The Bible says there are things that are weights that are not sins. There are weights that lead you into sin. Because you get so doggone worn out, you get so tired, you get so cumbered with all the debt and all the pressure and all the stress to have two cars and three refrigerators and a house you can't afford. And you get so stressed, you just say, well, I'm getting drunk. And you feel guilty about getting drunk. I don't even feel guilty. You don't feel guilty because you're so stressed out. Why? Because you, you're trying to be something you're not and you're forgetting that you're in a race and this is a race that you can win or lose. And it's all going to come down to what you're willing to let go. Am I talking too loud? Those that are willing to let go of their weights and those that are the weights in their life and those that are willing to get rid of that sin. Everybody say that sin. Oh, you don't even know what it is, do you? Oh, yes, you do. You know, everybody knows what that sin is. The sin, when the Bible said the sin that easily besets you, you're like, I know what that is, because you do know. It's your consistent goof up. It might be gossip for some people. It might be depression and negativity. And it could be a bunch of other stuff, but I don't even have to tell you what it is, because you already know. I love the Bible, because it just says, oh, you know that sin, you got to get rid of that. I was talking to a young lady that was struggling with a life-controlling lifestyle thing. And she wants to serve God, but she's involved in uh, this behavior and this, you know, culturally everybody's telling her, you know, this is your identity and all that. And I met with her and I said, sweetie, and I told her I love you and God's got a purpose. And I said, I looked at her and I said, you know, I love you. She said, yes. I said, you know what? You got to let that go, that whole deal. You got to let it go. She puffed up and I said, hey, I can even tell you what you want to hear. I can tell you the truth. If you ain't willing to let that go, you're not going anywhere. So I could either lie to you like all your friends, like your teachers, or I can just tell you what God said. That right there, you got to let it go. It's not your identity. It's not who you are. And God has a great plan for you, and you're going to do awesome. And I'm here for you.
But after she got up and puffed out because, you know, people tell her that's how she has to behave, she sat back down and said, pray for me. And I got this close to her face. And she was, she was weeping because there was something down there that knew I was right, but she didn't know if she could let go. They don't know if they can let go of the, the drugs or the alcohol or the pornography or whatever it is that's holding their life. But if you're going to win, if you're waiting for God to do something, like take something away, he's not doing that. It didn't say uh, if you want to win a race, then God has to take these things from you. God's not taking anything from you. you got to lay it down. Lay aside every weight and the sin. This is your thing, not God's thing. You have to decide. John 15, 2, Jesus gives this idea. John 15, 2 said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. God understands that in the kingdom, if it's not bearing any fruit, he'll cut it off. If it's, if it's something that's not fruitful, he'll get rid of it. And God understands that if there's something in your life, that even if you have a great life, he'll remove that little thing. He'll get picky about it and say, that way of talking's got to go. That attitude's got to go. God says, I'm building a great kingdom, and I understand to win. you got to cut off everything that's not bearing fruit. If it's not affecting eternity in a positive way, it's got to go. If you want to win. Now, if you just want to, well, being in the race is good, is good enough. Being in the race ain't good enough. Eternity is going to tell you that you should have been running to win. You might not know that until you enter eternity, but when you enter eternity, it will hit you. It will hit you right in the face that you should have been running to win, and the pastor should have been telling you that. You have all eternity to either regret or rejoice the things that you did and didn't do and how you ran your race. A weight and a reoccurring sin are the cycles of failure in your life. Debt is a weight. You keep getting in debt. It keeps stressing you out. It's a weight. you got to get rid of it. Reoccurring sin. These are the cycles of failure. Do you want to live in them again in 2019? Or do you want to break free and say, I better get radical about this? Now listen, write this down because this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me all week. He said, if you are not willing to honestly admit, admit where you are, you will never get where you're going. If you keep lying about where you are, you're not getting where you're going. If you keep fooling yourself and keep telling yourself those lies, guess what? You get to. Nobody's going to stop you. It's your life. If you don't want to just sit and say, you know what, i got to tear up these credit cards. You know what, i got to stop hanging around with those friends. You know what, i got to quit watching TV. Oh, you know what, i got to get off of those video games. If you're not willing to admit that you're distracted and you're wasting your life and wasting your time, if you're not willing to admit it, you're not getting anywhere. You're going to be right here next year like, I wish I could break through. You, no, you're waiting for God to break through. God's waiting for you to break through. you got to make your mind up. I wish I had more time. Everybody say laying aside. 
I love the way the Bible says it. It says, laying aside every weight in the sin like it's easy. Lay aside every, every weight in the sin. That's so, if it easily besets you, how did you lay aside so easy? Now, the Bible is actually telling us something, that there is a grace for those who make their mind up. There are moments when the water is stirring that you can say, as far as that habit, it's over. As far as that thing, it's over. It's done with. And there is a grace, a moment you can just lay it aside. Everybody's fasted before. You had those fasts that, fasts. I did go to Springfield High. <laughs> that is a word in Springfield Dictionary. Those who fast is, <laughs> Lord help me. Everybody's had fast before that you just decided to do and you were so hungry you were eating more on the fast. Everybody have one of those diets that you ate more on that diet? <laughs> like just the idea you couldn't eat made you hungry all the time. Right? But then there was a fast God led you into where you didn't even feel hungry the whole time. There is a grace that God releases. There is a moment God is saying, I can take that from you if you'll give it up. There's a moment when the water is moving that you get in, you say, now's my time. Now's my moment. This is the thing. This is the time that God called me to get out of this rut and go into the next level. I'm going to ask the ushers to come up because we're going to have communion today starting the year. But apparently... There is a grace to simply make an offering of the things that have weighted you down and stumbled you up for years. Apparently, there's a grace from heaven, though, for those that have made their mind up, they're going to run this race. Apparently, it's not like an ordinary person, but for the person who has decided they're tired of halfway doing it, there is something from heaven that comes in and says, I'm going to take that. What is the, in the Greek, what is lay aside mean it, in the greek it means to lay it down it means to give it up it means to dedicate and make an offering of it this relationship take it this habit take it see some people they use their habit in place of the presence of god instead of running to god they run to their habit they run to their thing that makes them feel better and they say, God, you just want to deal with it because you know that's just the way I am. And they ruin their own lives and blame God for it. I love this. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no. Say it with me. Teaches us to say Say it again. Teaches us to say, there are some things you're going to have to start saying no to if you want to win. I can't believe you said that. That's just a, God said it. There is a grace that comes to you that teaches you to say, I don't want that. I don't need that. I'm out. Not because God is forcing you with a gun to your head. But a genuine fear of the Lord comes upon you that says, if you don't quit doing this, you're never going to get where you're going. How many more years? How many more months? How many more excuses are you going to make for the thing that's ruining your life? This is your life. This is about you and the kind of person you are. 
It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, not in the sweet by and by. There is a grace that helps you lay it aside. When you take communion today, you're going to receive that grace. But you got to make up your mind, I know exactly the weight that has to go. I know exactly the sin that I'm making an offering and saying that's it. Now, very, it's very hard to do when you don't have the fear of the Lord. When you think that, see, Christianity in America has changed. It's become a Christianity that is, you know what? No matter what you do, Jesus doesn't notice and he's happy no matter what. That is not Christianity at all. It's not from the Bible. It just emerged in America as a doctrine because people had itching ears wanting to hear something that didn't create any tension. They didn't want a challenge. Listen, a race is a challenge. You're going to have to give something up. And it's not going to be easy. But the best thing in this life, like marriage, they are not easy. Like raising children, it is not easy. The best thing costs you some blood, costs you some sweat, costs you some conviction. And yes, you're going to make some mistakes, but you've got to be the kind of person that says, I'm going to conquer those mistakes. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God is going to give you the grace to conquer whatever it is, but you've got to make your mind up. I am not going to keep excusing the things. Uh, listen, the lack of the fear of the Lord is the lack of freedom in your life. I'm not talking about the fear of religion that God hates you and God's disappointed and God's going to do this and that, but I'm going to tell you something. We don't have a Jesus that looks at you and says, I don't care what you do, everything's cool. That is not the God of the Bible. That's the God of American Christianity. It overlooks everything and says, as long as you like it, it's good. Not true. Not true for me, not true for you. The grace of God makes the impossible seem effortless. It's time to simplify your life by grace, not excuse your failure by grace. But to simplify your life and begin to conquer by the grace of God. Begin to draw on the grace of God because you've made your mind up that you're not living in that pig pen. And you're not living in excuses. And you're not living in failure. But you're going to conquer with Jesus because a conqueror lives inside of you. Now, What things you need to lay aside? Let me give you a quick little list. Past failures, past hurts, regrets, disappointments. Please don't tell us that terrible story one more time. Can you please stop telling us about your divorce? Because your kids don't want to hear it anymore. Friends don't want to hear it anymore, but you don't want to let go. You got to give that up. That story how you were mistreated and somebody ripped you off and you got fired. Can you stop telling that story, please? Can you just let it go? Can we make it an offering that you're not going to be dwelling on all the bad things that happened to you? Here's a powerful truth. You cannot change your past, but your past can change you. And many people, the past has changed them because they didn't get to their, the beginning of the year and say, it's over. I'm stop talking about it. You're not a victim. You're a victor, and you'll always be a victor as long as Jesus is inside of you. Philippians 3.12, I admit I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing, 
but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I do not depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future. Instead, I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Paul said, okay, I, I don't have it all together, but I tell you what I can do. I'm forgetting everything, and I'm on fire. I'm running. I forget about it. You can't fix it. You can't understand why. You don't even need to understand why. Just forget it. Forget it. Let it go. Let it go. This is a new year. Debt, pressure, sell those things. Get rid of those things. You don't need all those things. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Better to live in a, 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 a travel trailer than to live in a mansion with pressure. Make up your mind. I'm not living like that. I'm not living with a car I can't afford and, a, and a, everything's on a credit card. I'm not living that way. I'm getting rid of every weight. I'm going to have money to do what God called me to do. I'm going to stop whining and worrying about it. I'm getting rid of everything, and I'm going to live free for Jesus. Hobbies, games, TV, entertainment, they're not evil, but they can't weigh you down and take all of your time. My wife and I have been fasting and praying, and we've been together at a, at a place, and what I noticed was with no TV on, we had more, I talked out. I couldn't talk anymore. Like, I don't even know what to talk about anymore. We shared, talked, prayed, shared, talked, prayed. After three days, I'm like, I got more time I know what to do with. I know why people are out of time. They watch too much daggum TV. Turn it off for one week and you're going to find out you have a pretty good life. You can actually study and pray and win people and do stuff for God if you'll just get rid of all that weight that's dragging you down. You don't need it. How many hours do people play those crazy video games? Let me finish with this. My sister, Lynn, she's gone to be with the Lord. But one thing I loved about her, she was a clean-out maniac. If you ask her to come to your house and clean out, she was brutal. You know, you, you, you didn't know what you was asking when you said, could you come to my house and help me clean out my closet and my stuff? She'd be like, do you really want that? And if you said, yes, I'm desperate, she'd be like, okay, it's all going to be like I say, right? Yeah, it's just going to be what you say. When she got to your house, you found yourself running behind her like, not that, not that, not that. Not that. I mean, you would, every, look, you say you want to get rid of it, and then when God says, I'll take that, you say, not that, that's my special. <laughs> that's my favorite. I mean, not that. You don't need to, oh, I'm going to get smaller into that dress. Just don't take that dress. Oh, you haven't been that small since high school. Go ahead and give the dress away. We'll buy you a new one. <laughs> Stop lying to yourself and holding on to stuff. Get rid of, get everything out of your closet that you don't need. Get everything out of your, oh, I'm going to need that can. You're not going to need that can. Get rid of it. That boat, you hadn't been on that boat in 10 years, and you still, oh, I'm going to go out fishing this year. No, you're not. Just get rid of it. Get rid of it. 
Some people running behind the Holy Spirit saying, not that, not that, not that. I wanted you to take everything. At church I prayed, and now not that, not that, not that, not that. You're not serious until the Holy Spirit started saying, boom, that's going, that's going, that's going, and especially that. No, not that. Yes, that. And until you hurt, you haven't laid anything down. Until you say, ow, ow, ow. Until it gets down to it where you're like, dog, this is serious business. Now you're starting to get some grace on your life to run this race. You're getting serious. Cut down until it hurts. Get rid of stuff until it hurts. And you say, you know what? I'm almost to the place where I can enter into this race. See, God is waiting for all of those who are willing to lay it down. Jesus said it this way. Matthew 5. If your right eye offends you, cut it, pluck it out. Cast it from you. It's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, then that their whole body should be cast into hell. If your right hand offends you, cut it off and cast it from thee. It's profitable for thee that one of your members should perish, that not your whole body should be cast into hell. Jesus said this. You want to get rid of something? It's got to get brutal. Stop saying not that, not that. You want to get rid of it? You're going to have to have the brutal attitude like it's going. It's all going. If you, if you compromise, you'll be sitting right here next year and say, you know, I almost gave it all up. I almost made it an offering that day. I felt God and I, I chickened out. Or you're going to say, I did it. And that was the day everything changed. What's the point? Winners lay it down. Winners lay it down. Now, I'm going to read one last scripture, but I'm going to have the ushers come forward because this is our first day. We're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to receive the offering that he gave. I want you to know Jesus laid it all down. He died naked, broke, embarrassed in front of the whole world for you. He didn't hold on to one single thing. So whatever he's asking from you is nothing like he gave for you. When we receive that, we're going to receive the courage to be people who say, I don't care what it costs. I'm going to have a meeting with my wife, and we're about to get rid of some stuff. And we're about to get light and simple, and we're about to live for God till Jesus comes.